episode 25. Um, kind of for no particular reason. Oh, we had a few friends actually request about this, but we thought it might be interesting to do something a bit different. Rob's not with me today, but I'm joined by guitarist friend Joey Scaramanga. Right. Um, we're going to be talking about some um, guitar stuff, because basically we realised, me and Rob both play guitar, as do probably about two-thirds of all metalheads. We discuss a load of stuff in terms of guitar techniques being used, kind of sounds guitars are making, but there is a probably reasonable proportion of our listenership who have never picked up a guitar or never had a formal lesson or anything like that and might not understand what the hell we're talking about when we say stuff like like tapping solos, like bending, harmonics, all this kind of stuff. So I brought along a guitarist and we're going to talk through some techniques while Johnny's going to play us a few examples of them and then we'll discuss like sort of famous riffs that use these kind of techniques just to give people a sort of glossary of what these sounds are and how they're produced. Um, yeah, so what do you want to start on technique-wise, Johnny? I think we should start with string bending because I don't think you will find a classic metal solo that's ever been played that doesn't have string bending on it. There's a challenge to the listeners. If you can send in a track that doesn't have string bending in a solo. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like... It's sort of the defining thing about the electric guitar because it's a technique that you don't do on other stringed instruments or even other types of guitar. Some people bend strings on acoustic guitars now, but those are just electric guitarists that are going back and... and kind <laughs> okay. Play. So it's sort of, until the electric guitar, this just wasn't a thing that happened, and it's one of the main ways that you show emotion and meaning in a, in a solo. So um, string bending is just pushing the string to one side and it raises the pitch of the string. That. So when you hear like the start of like a Kirk Hammett solo, I mean, like that, you've got you've got those bending sounds there, um, and I think that if you don't have good string bending, then you just don't have good, good guitarist. Whereas any of the other techniques we're going to talk about today, you could have a, a great solo that doesn't incorporate them. Yeah, yeah. But if you haven't got for me, that's what that's about. I, just, I love that. And then vibrato, the way vibrato is done on an electric guitar is a series of bends, usually, whereas on other instruments it would be done differently. And I think if you don't have great vibrato, it's sort of... I don't know why I always go to this sports analogy on this, because I'm not a sports fan. But for me, it's like if you play an amazing guitar solo and then it doesn't have good vibrato to finish it off, then it's almost like running the length of the pitch and then failing to score. Like everything, <laughs> everything else is rubbish. So do some like badass thing. Like, um, if, it, if you don't have that vibrato on the end of it, you just go... Ah! Get out! So... Yeah, yeah. It's all about Because vibrato is an interesting one, because that is like the technique that's, well, it's sort of universal to a lot of lead instruments. Everyone does some kind of vibrato. Like, I think the only time we've actually mentioned vibrato on the podcast was talking about Messiah from Candlemass's vocals. And it's that thing of like guessing a note and wobbling it slightly, essentially. Yeah. And with guitar, it's a technique of when you pick something with the hand you're fretting with, bending ever so slightly, would you say? Or I think... For metal vibrato, it's bending a lot. Like, um, so there's two things. The other thing that's great about vibrato is that every player's vibrato is unique, pretty much. And so it's one of the things that gives your playing personality. Um, and there's two things you can vary. You can vary how fast you're bending the string. So you can... Or you can... you can really wobble the shit out of it. And there's how wide it is. Um, and usually in metal because everything's trying to be the most extreme and aggressive that it can be you're bending it a long way so you can go like that which is bending it for musicians listening you know sort of in the region of like a minor third or, or even more um, if you bend it only a little bit it doesn't sound like metal yeah yeah you could do that in blues you could make that work but I think a metal player needs to be going for both bending and like bending and uh, vibrato, these are ones where I was having difficulty going. Like, what's a specific song example of this? Because just like all of them, like yeah. if you can think of a good solo that's got vibrato, that's got bends in it. Um, 
like the the kind of classic go to guitarist I've always thought of for vibrato is Gary Moore's stuff. Like yeah. he tends to have that that kind of sound, but it's just like a lot of bluesy solos. If they sound good, they have these techniques on them. Yeah, I, I, I think like Zach Wilde has an interesting vibrato because his is one of the most extreme. Like he's quite often bending. So if you bend in guitar, um, the, you kind of measure how wide your vibrato is in a distance of frets. So like one frets worth. Uh, and then most metal players will be going more like two frets worth. Then Zach is quite often going three. Even more than that, yeah, and you get yeah. that really extreme sort of. And that does actually that that kind of bend just sounds like a Zach Wilde solo to me. Yeah, exactly. I think that's and he was a massive Gary Moore fan. That's where it comes from. Um, also, a lot of the Swedish players have good vibrato. I was going to say the 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 properly metal players I mentioned uh, I had written down for this was the Amok Brothers from Arch Enemy are both really good for having great vibrato on their solos. But because they go for these hyper melodic solos, it's it tends to be if you're going for melody, that's mm. where you go. Whereas in when you get into like the super fast like shreddy players, mm. that's all about just really accurate string picking for the most part. I guess. Although I think that maybe the reason that a lot of Swedish players have great vibrato is because of Ingrid Malmsteen, the <laughs> Swedish guy who invented neoclassical shred and also has a wicked vibrato. Like, yeah, I think yeah. People don't really comment on with him because they're so busy talking about how cheesy he is, how terrible his songs are, and how amazing his picking is. Like, yeah, those are the yeah. things talk about with <laughs> But he also has, like, the best vibrato, and I think a lot of... He's been quite influential on a lot of other players from over there. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's very true. Like, I think it's him and Europe seem to be the big push for Swedish kids in the 80s getting into playing. Yeah, yeah, and the guitarists from Europe, John Norum and Key Marcello, have great vibrato as well, so... Oh, and accidentally a plug for the fact you've worked with Key Marcello. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm in the Key Marcello band, full disclosure. <laughs> that wasn't on purpose, I just remembered Europe being influential. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that more or less covers them. We probably want to get into some more, like, this is the bit which will really stand out, something we mention a lot, is just general picking techniques. So I thought, like, we'd start off with, like, up and down picking and then move into, like, palm muting stuff. Yeah. Should we go for it that route? Sure. So, um, to my mind, down picking is like down picking with palm muting is the essence of like the metal sound. It's that kind of like heavy chug you get on almost every thrash riff ever. Like um, a good example is if you listen to the Exodus song Blacklist. Like the main riff of that song is the most perfect example of just that heavy thrash metal down pick chug. Like we, me and Rob, I think when we were talking about thrash metal, defined the sound as being an open string, palm muted and down picked really quickly. It's the thrash metal noise. What Johnny's going to do for us now, um, well, at some point, is go through showing us basically what classic thrash would sound like if you remove these techniques. So was I basically on there with that? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. It's important to say that we're talking about metal rhythm here. Yes, like, yes, this is rhythm playing. This is the riffs and the and the and the, and the chugs. When you get into solos, you wouldn't downpick as much unless you're crap. But, um, <laughs> but for rhythm playing, it's just everything sounds so. What we mean is when you're um, so almost all metal playing is done with a pick. I, I can't think of a great metal player that uses their fingers exclusively um for the first couple of paradise lost albums greg mcintosh did right but yeah but there we they, go. but there's not many who did i, I think he must mainly did like the fun pick thing as well but yeah right. there's not many finger style players i can think of right so when you're holding a pick and you're hitting the string you can either come at it from above or below and it just generally sounds a bit heavier if you go all down but it requires a lot more effort the, the most efficient way to pick is to go down and hit the string and then as you come back up hit the string again and that way you're getting twice as many hits on the string for the same amount of movement um, and if you go all down then it's hard work but you just sort of it requires a bit more power so you hit the string a bit harder and and also it sort of seems to end up pushing that so if I'm playing like um, my guitar's out of tune rock and roll uh, <laughs> if, if I'm um, uh, if I'm playing like that which is all down picks compared with oh, 
<laughs> no, no, that's cool. Tuning must be sorted, right. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think what we're going to do throughout this episode, do get in touch with us if, like, we're giving some examples, but especially when we get into more of, like, the fun lead techniques and that, get in touch with us examples of people we've missed or really good song examples of this kind of stuff because it's fun to have the discussion because actually when you start talking about some of the more out there techniques we're going to get into it's always interesting to see where they've actually picked like been used in songs and like especially when you get into lead stuff like where that's actually been used in rhythm playing and so on are you back with us Johnny? Yes. Cool, cool, um, cool. So yeah, if I'm going, it, it comes from punk, actually. It's like where punk influenced thrash is that in punk music, all of the chords are played downwards like this. If you do it with down and up, it sounds slightly different, but as a player, it feels massively different because you're moving your hand twice as fast if you're doing down picking. And I think, and that makes you kind of tend to want to speed up. So I think part of one thing that you get sometimes from a lot of punk players is that they're actually they're playing slightly ahead of the drums and it makes it feel like the music is kind of straining at the leash, like it sounds faster than it is. And I think you get that influence on thrash as well. You get these things that are all down picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just makes them feel a bit more urgent than mm. they would if they were. And that's that's it. It's a feel thing. It's not a massive difference in sound. So um, Master of Puppets, like James Hetfield, is like the best down picker on the planet and um, it's just ridiculous what he's doing but he's playing that all down pitch right um, let me get the Hetfield tone now I'm going to have people writing in going that wasn't the Hetfield tone <laughs> the, sorry this yeah. is our best approximation for the... my, my hasty approximation of the Hetfield tone <laughs> right um, so if you got yeah. that's all down picked because if I alternate pick that um, then it doesn't sound a huge amount different, but it feels different, and mm. there is there is some difference there. And then at the same time, um, Hetfield is is palm muting that, uh, which means that he's putting it's, it's not actually his palm; it's like the fleshy heel of your hand on the side. Um, he rests that on the strings next to the bridge of the guitar, and it gives you this chunky that sound. Whereas if you don't mute, you get that sound. So if Master of Puppets had been played without palm muting, it would sound like this. Which I think we can all agree is considerably worse. Yeah, yeah. And as you pointed out uh, before we <laughs> before we started, it actually sounds slightly musy when you start removing the palm muting from... Yeah, there's a lot like, of muse riffs that have that sort of tempo and they're not muted. But yeah, so like palm muting up along with down picking is one of those techniques that just most metal rhythm playing is palm muted. Like yeah. it's just because it gives that slightly harsher, heavier sound. Yeah, all anything that's described as chug, it's always palm muting. You'd never really talk about chugging if you were playing the, the chords open. Like it's not chug, but. Yeah, exactly. Like any breakdown in a hardcore song, they're gonna be palm muting, they're gonna be down picking, because that's what sounds like heavy and manliest. Yeah, it's just a little bit heavier if you're if you're down picking, even on things like um, single note riffs as well. You know, if you're if you're going the fact that you're like whacking the string from a height. Yes, yes. <laughs> Gives it more aggression. Yeah, and you know that that is like in essence, like the metal style is trying to get the guitar to sound as aggressive as possible. Yeah, um, which leads us on to something we should probably cover is the other really kind of generic guitaring thing is power chords, which are the other major bit of most metal riffing, which is just the really simple chord shapes we use for pretty much everything. Yeah, I so I think. I think it's Tony Iommi that gets the credit mostly for coming up with power chords. Um, and so if you've ever learned to play any kind of musical instrument, well, especially the piano, you will have learned that there's major chords and minor chords. And you probably did that in a music lesson in school, even if you don't play an instrument. And like your teacher would have told you that major chords sound happy and minor chords sound sad, which is a bit of an overgeneralization, but we'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with a really distorted guitar sound like you would use in most metal tracks if you play a major or a minor chord it just sounds pretty bad to be honest so, so here's a major chord with loads of distortion on it 
and, and here's a minor one. And it's just not nice. Um, so what you do in a power chord is just leave out the note that makes it major or minor. And what you're left with is... Crunch. And yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all that is. Um, there's, not, there's nothing more to it than that. Oh, no, no, completely, like, it's pretty straightforward, and it is just, like, as you say, Tony Iommi is the obvious go-to, because you look at, say, the first two Sabbath albums, a lot of those, like, the riffs that don't kind of go into anything chuggy are entirely constructed from power chords, really. Yeah. Like, something like NIB or Iron Man is mostly power chords. Right, and I don't think, so it's sort of a, Pete Townsend from The Who sometimes gets credited with inventing the power chord as well. But actually, quite often, he is playing a major third or a minor third. He, his chords aren't just pure fifths. Um, whereas Tony Iommi was the guy that... I'm only going to play two notes. Yeah. I'm going to make them sound <laughs> fucking metal. Yeah, basically. But yeah, again, power chords is in that bracket of... There's no point giving examples of this because every band ever has used them somewhere... I guess these are only when you get into the realms of stuff like Opeth where they completely refuse to use them because they're not fancy enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the more interesting thing is examples where you've got a, a metal riff that isn't power chords, like Crazy Train, I guess. Oh, yeah. Where it's using these triad chains that are major and or major. He's kind of, he's voiced them... In a, in a clever way that where it doesn't sound horrible. Yeah, it doesn't get like yeah. the horrible ring out you were getting from doing those two chords earlier. Yeah. But yeah, so that like that probably covers the the absolute basics, but as we're here and Johnny is definitely more of a lead player, but I thought it'd be fun to get into some of the you know, various other techniques that are out there that probably come up more in lead guitar, but you know, like often used in rhythm playing as well. Um yeah, so I guess starting, um, what have I got on? This is in no particular order at this stage, but one me and Rob go on about all the time, and I don't know if you've got many examples of this, is tremolo picking, and I'm not even sure if we're completely defining it right, but this is, like, if, if what I mean when I say it is that kind of classic black metal riff sound where it's normally not palm muted, and it's up and down picking really quickly. I mean, it's often not a million miles off that kind of muse sound we're getting just sped up. Right, oh, okay, so you're talking about the... Like, uh... <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, that is alternate picks. No one can humanly do um, only down picking. That fast, no, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so tremolo on any instrument is just is one note played rapidly. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the same period of time. So, I mean, when I think of it, I think of... so. I said, I said to Phil before we start recording, I'm going to see how many times I can make your listeners say, that's not metal. It's my first, that's not metal moment, right? Um, the end of the solo, Beat It by Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yes, that, that, that. That's tremolo picking on each of those notes. Let me switch back to the sound that sounds better for lead guitar. Uh, so yeah, um, it's just... Um, that, yeah, you can move it around or yeah so I've never really thought of calling it when you do that machine gun thing on a thrash riff or a black metal riff like you say I've never thought of calling that tremolo picking but it is the same technique I think with the black metal riffs like particularly all the examples I've got of it are like classic black metal songs like the first riff in Dark French Transylvanian Hunger the first riff in Emperor's Eye and the Black Wizards are these kind of just picking one note, hyper distorted. There's no bass on it as well, so it just. <laughs> although in like the Michael Jackson song, it yeah. sounds quite nice, like fast but nice. As soon as you massively up the distortion on that, because you're not muting it and the strings rattling a bit more, it makes this absolutely horrific sound, and that seems to be the essence of the basic black metal riff. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to do with what string you're on as well. So that's the, you're playing the the end of the uh, beat it solo on the higher string on the guitar but once you get onto the, the bottom strings now we'll flap around that thing yeah 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 that and doing like a slightly minor sounding riff with that that <laughs> suddenly gets quite yeah. quite hideous oh, so a second that's not metal moment of the day I've got the wrong sound for this but best example of tremolo picking of course <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, no, that that is actually a perfect example of that technique. Yeah. But yeah, it's something me and Rob mention all the time, and that's basically the noise we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do we want to get into some sort of Liga style stuff? Um, I guess a, a really a good start point, and probably lucky we don't have Rob here because we always disagree about this. Is um, the pinch? Ah. It's something Rob's very fond of the sound, and it's that kind of really aggressive, sharp noise you get in a lot of solos. You know that the Zach Wild squeak sound he has in a lot of his solos. It's kind of hard to explain what it is. I find it overused in metal. Rob really likes it. I think Johnny sits more on Rob's end of the scale. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's the second best noise you can make on a guitar. Um, if you want an example of like this noise like completely in isolation, in the show Metalocalypse, it's the noise they use to bleep the swear words. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, okay. Uh, so, interestingly, like the way you set up your amp can make it easier or harder to do this technique, and I have not set up mine to make it as easy as it could be. So getting my racing driver excuses in early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're about to hear. So this is the sound. on it then it kind of becomes cool so there's there's two kind of concepts you'd hear it in like there was a while ago i should go back to the other sound for this but i can't be asked but when like metalcore was happening mm. you'd have all these breakdowns <laughs> And um, that's sort of mercifully not happening anymore. So you're getting that's done on the on the lower string of the guitar, but then you also get kind of so Yeah, it, it's it's the kind of fancy flourish at the end that isn't a really big bend instead, like Yeah, so what you're actually doing, um uh, the harmonics can be produced in a lower there's a kind of a ringing sound. I won't bother explaining the physics of what's happening to you because I didn't understand it for like 20 years of playing the guitar. Um, so. Yeah, I read Wikipedia on it yesterday and got lost about two pages in. <laughs> I can explain it if you want me to because my partner is an engineer and she explained it to me. I was like, ah, now I know. Um, but I didn't for ages. But the way that you produce a pinched harmonic is that as you pick the string, you kind of catch the side of it with your thumb. And that means that you get the attack of the pick at the same time as the harmonic. And that's so I think this is a really important thing for everything we're going to talk about is that when you when you hit a string with a pick, there's a burst of white noise. There's this. And you can hear that even when when there's a note being played. On the front of the note. And the thicker the pick you use, um, the more obvious that is. And then, so when you're doing a pinched harmonic, you've got that click in there at the same time as the harmonic. I think that's what makes it sound so gnarly. Bit of Van Halen for you. That's not a metal moment. <laughs> so for some metal examples of like loads of pinched harmonics throughout a song, obviously everything Zach Wilde ever does, but mm. um, if you go to the Emperor album, uh, their, their final album, Prometheus, every song has hundreds of these in them. He saw, like The track Empty has like full riffs constructed out of pinches almost. It's kind of insane. Or the Paradise Lost song Shatters, like absolutely kind of littered with them. They're, like, they're all over the place. It's a noise you'll hear absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Um, and Randy Rhodes, I think the reason Zach does it so much is because Randy Rhodes did it a bit and Zach was like, I'm going to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Randy Rhodes did them really well. Yeah, um, yeah. And through, like I was saying about how you can make them easier or harder depending on your amp, but the technology did not exist to make them easy in the 70s when Randy was doing <laughs> that. Like, he was just a beast. Yeah, yeah. I think that they like, like it can't be overstated enough with Randy. He was just really incredible. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, cool. Uh I, another technique probably worth getting into because we mention it all the time is tapping. Um, yeah. This is something that exists both in a lead and rhythm context. Um, it, it's it's simply it's rather than playing with a pick, you're 
hitting the neck with the hand you normally pick with. Like, you're hitting a note there and then doing a series of hammer-on and pull-offs. I guess. So, so let's, let's start with legato and explain what hammer-on and pull-offs ah, are. Ah, yeah, that's probably, then, probably a sensible way around. <laughs> then, then we'll add the second hand. So, like I was saying about the burst of white noise that you get from a pick, you can get rid of that by just not using a pick and instead... Um, hitting the string with your fretting hand with enough force to get it to produce a note. So those four notes that you just heard, I didn't pick the string, I just thumped my fingers onto the fretboard and made a note that way. And if I pick those notes and say notes, here there's a bit more attack on the front of the note. I'm going to switch to sound, which makes that a bit more obvious, hopefully. Here there's some attack, which, which isn't there. And that becomes more obvious if you're playing at high speed. So if I play um, this row, don't fuck it up, Scaramanga. So there I picked um, like six of those notes, but the rest of them I was what's called hammering on, which is the legato technique of, of pressing your fingers onto the board to make the sound. If I pick all of those notes instead... You can hear there's a constant click on the front of each of those notes. Um, and so it sounds more rhythmic, I think, if you pick them all. Yeah. But it can sound a bit monotonous over a long period of time because there's it kind of you don't have very much dynamic range. It's very... It can be almost robotic. That thing. Versus... But then it can, it can, be, um, it can be lacking in rhythm potentially if you're not very good with, with legato because you haven't got that click on the front to delineate where all the notes start. But with that, I was I was doing what most guitarists in real life would do in practice, which is I'm picking some of the notes. You could do a purely legato thing where you're not picking any of them. Everything is done. And so that's some players will, will do that. Um, but in practice, most... Most of the time, you're not hearing every note picked or no notes picked. You're hearing a, a combination of the two. Um, then, so tapping is when you. So uh, there's, there's two components of um, of legato technique. If you play another instrument, you might be being confused right now because legato has a meaning for all other instruments, which is just to play smoothly. But on electric guitar, we use it specifically to refer to hammer-on and pull-off techniques. Uh, so hammer-on is when you whack your finger onto the string with enough force to make a sound without having to pick the string. And then a pull-off is like the opposite. That's when you take your finger off the string and it produces a sound from a lower note. So like this. This is a hammer-on. It's a pull-off. And then you could then use a finger, or more than one finger, from your picking hand to give you more fingers so you can do more impressive legato stuff if you like. Um, and I guess the first time this was heard in a metal solo famously would be like Randy Rhodes I guess like Eddie, Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes are the two people that are credited with popularising tapping yeah, guitarists yeah. like argue a lot about who did it for the first time on a record um, and it wasn't Eddie Van Halen but he usually he's the one that made it famous like Eruption is the song that's like often credited but yeah yeah and I think it's, it's weird because it was amazing at the time but it sounds super cheesy now if anyone else does that like, I remember like, when Bullet for My Valentine was happening they were doing these solos and they were doing... it's like no, no that's definitely had its time yeah and yeah. it's not now <laughs> but that's like the Randy thing and then mm. the Eddie thing is yeah but Eddie was doing cooler stuff at his time, so I love tapping I think it's awesome but I yeah. just think you can't do this that's definitely had its day but like I think that rocks I love so as a listener it can be a bit difficult to tell what's tapped and what's legato because they both just sound smooth and there isn't much picking happening um, but what one of the give giveaways of tapping is that it can be faster because you're dividing the work up across two hands so you can play yeah. quicker and the other one is that um, you could do intervals that you could never reach, like you could do a massive stretch that one hand couldn't physically do. Um, so something like if I do that slowly. Then, 
obviously you couldn't do that with one hand unless you had weird alien fingers. Yeah, <laughs> you'd need to somehow cover like ten frets at once, which no one's stretching that far. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so there's tapping things, and then you do get players that are tapping with multiple fingers, and they're doing just outrageous stuff because, yeah, if you've got eight fingers across both hands, you can play some ridiculous stuff. Chris Broderick. Is he still in Megadeth? Uh, no, he's left Megadeth. Left, uh, yeah. Chris Broderick previously in Nevermore after, like, on the Godless Endeavor tour cycle, I think, and then joined Megadeth on. Can't remember what. I haven't listened to most of you. Bit after Super Collider, he joined Megadeth and has since left again. But yeah, he's incredible for that kind of stuff. Yeah. As he so, um, like, some good examples. The kind of the more boring like Eddie Van Halen style tapping you get in like Fuck off. <laughs> the more boring style tapping. Oh no no, I was saying that technique you were saying the overused. Oh, um, yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing you get used in the kind of like arch enemies like say like Dead Bury the Dead has that amazing harmonized solo in the middle. That's just that kind of quite straightforward basically going around like three notes in a pattern there. Yeah. Um but like you harmonize it, it sounds really cool. Um, but then you get like more advanced techniques. Um, a band we go on about a lot of voices, like they never really do solos, but on the one solo in London, it's quite a clever use of multiple fingers where it's a tapping solo where the um, one hand is kept completely still on a chord pattern and the other hand quickly taps all, like a load of corresponding notes to go with that chord across a few strings. And that makes a really fancy sound and has an almost legato feel, despite the fact the fretting hand is completely still. Um, and then you get, say, like the really obvious go-to for like tapping used in a more rhythm sense is bands like Gojira and like say the song Ouroboros, the main like really catchy riff at the start of that is a massive tapping thing. Or to the utter extreme, their song Global Warming is entirely based around kind of tapping patterns getting more and more out of hand. The other thing you can do is tap with a pick. Yes, um, I've made a note about that. <laughs> um, which Kirk Hammett famously has denied doing, I believe, but definitely does. <laughs> okay. Um, and the thing, so if you tap with a pick, you it's harder to be accurate because you've got this large object in your finger. But you can be quite a lot faster because it's rigid and it sort of bounces off the string. So stuff like that, which would be really hard to do with a finger or pretty much impossible. Um and so something like, is it, by the lightning, there's something in it like a kind of... There's, 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 there's something like that, isn't there? And, um, and I'm pretty sure that's done with a pick. And Kirk Hammett took lessons from Joe Satriani, uh, the instrumental rock guitarist who famously does tap with a pick. Oh! So... Is Midnight pick tap then? No, Midnight is two fingers. So what is Midnight? Uh, if I can remember how to... Yeah. I was going to say, because that that's about the only Joe Satriani I know, but that sounds a lot smoother than... Because pick-tapping has a much harsher attack to it, I find. Yeah, yeah. No, stuff like in um, Surfing with the Alien and stuff. Where it's like, <laughs> to find like a more death metal equivalent, I think Peter from Vader does a lot of his solos, combining something you will get to, like whammy bar techniques with pick-tapping, to get like this very, very harsh metallic sound to it. But yeah, as Johnny says, you can get crazy fast with that because you still have that hammer-on technique and you can get into that like really stupid realm of like 20 note a second solos. Yeah. Which is kind of fun, but often a little bit wanky as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I mentioned him, maybe we should move on to some more kind of like whammy bar technique. Um, so yeah. The whammy bar is a massively used thing in metal. It for non-guitarists, it's that little stick you sometimes see poking out the bottom of a guitar. Um, yeah, like this can be used subtly or completely ridiculously. Metal tends to lean to the more ridiculous use of it with like dive bombs and um, just those, those general. So any of those solos that sound like a kind of noisy mess tend to be the the whammy bar. Yeah, <laughs> you get those, yeah. Those moments when Kerry King sounds like he's just like trying to break things in the studio it's for yeah. some reason i didn't write slayer on my notes for whammy bar solos but yeah kerry king is like the go-to abuser of this the end of raining blood that kind of complete mess of noise is whammy bar like complete whammy bar abuse yeah yeah so in um again is van halen's weird because i'm sure no one listening to this podcast thinks that van halen are a metal band but Eddie Van Halen was like every metal guitarist's favourite guitarist mm. in the 80s. So it, it does all come from those Van Halen records. Although he was doing... 
so that, yeah when people talk about a dive bomb it's just hitting usually an open string and just pressing the whammy bar down as far as it'll go motorbike noises on 80s records just... um, you can use it for musical stuff as well but why would you those noises Van Halen things uh, that everyone was ripping off and then dipping the bar while you're playing a lick so you could play this is a trill and then if you dip the whammy bar while you're doing it Then the other noise that you made was popular in the 80s is a trem gargle, um, which is when, you know if you have ever been bored in school and you put a ruler on the edge of a desk and flick it? Yeah, it yeah. Goes, it makes that. You can do that with the whammy bar and it goes... That noise, which I think is, is cool. I found, so, um, you might want to edit this out. But my personal story with trem gargles is that I grew up in the kind of family that wasn't entirely confident that metal wasn't from Satan. <laughs> so I was quite strongly discouraged from listening to say, uh, listening. To, I was very strongly discouraged from listening to Satan. I was also strongly discouraged from listening to metal for a long time. But I managed to listen to the Christian metal band Striper, and um, they had this song called "The Way" that had um, this what to me sounded like a pretty demonic sound. <laughs> And then it started with the solo, with this... And I was just like, oh God, like the devil is going to suck me into hell. <laughs> so, term goggles to me have always been the sound of Satan. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they do have that kind of noise. Like, yeah. it automatically you put that sound in guitar solo you've gone a bit metal yeah. you, you, it's not blues anymore if you hit the whammy bar too hard yeah well I'm pretty sure it's like Jeff Beck he's like the guy who popularised that like Yardbirds guitarist so yeah yeah because yeah this is something we're probably going to get to more towards the end like most of these techniques we are going back to 80s references because there's not been a great deal of like in the last 20 years of hugely like far-reaching new developments in guitar technique there's been some interesting stuff like so we've got like the eight string guitars and so on that kind of the for want of a better term the kind of gent noise that kind of hyper down tuned sound yeah. but beyond that there's I, I guess there's been a, like interesting stuff using these techniques slightly differently but i can't think of a new technique that's sort of come in in the last like, I don't know, 15, 20 years? I... Yeah, no, it's, it's a weird one. I, um, Yeah, if you if you talk about modern rock guitar techniques, you're actually mostly talking about techniques that were developed in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but then maybe listeners, you know, like, because I'm not a guitaring expert and Johnny's music taste definitely sits more towards the 80s end, there might be some stuff we've completely missed. So if there are some new techniques out there, we'd really like to hear about and definitely get in touch with that. But yeah, um, I guess moving on from the whammy bar stuff, I want to just mention this briefly. Something we may talk about a bit and is, is mentioned all over Metal Press is um, shredding. And you get guitarists referred to as shredders and so on. The main thing I wanted to clarify with this is shredding's not really a technique. It's just that kind of a guy playing guitar leads really fancily. Yeah. Is that fair? Like, Yeah, it's just, it has to be... It has to be like a highly distorted tone, I think. Like, you wouldn't talk about shred like a jazz player. Yeah. Like some jazz players play stuff which is technically outrageous, but you wouldn't call it shred. Like, it needs to be a high... Like, it needs to be hard rock or metal, and it needs to be something that you have to practice the guitar for ages before you can do it. Like, I think those are the... Yeah, like, like the perfect example of a solo I'd refer to as shredding is like Dream Theatre's As I Am, that like solo which is just like a minute of him getting faster and faster to the point of ludicrousness or or like most of what, say, like Jeff Loomis from Nevermore does. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, again, it's sort of... I, I don't know who the term shred was first applied to. Yeah, like, like everyone knows that the term heavy metal was first in print used in reference to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, like, yeah. But I don't because the general public doesn't care about shred to the same degree. It's not clear to me like when the term shred was coined. 
And like when I was getting into music, it was ubiquitous because around early 2000s was like that kind of couple of years of the shred guitarist being king, where it was just like any bands that had these guitarists could play super fast, got loads of attention, yeah. you know, at the time when like Trivium were rising and so on. That's so funny because I, I took up guitar in 95 and like shred from like 92 to like when you got into music, shred was just the most offensive thing and like obviously like Metallica made an album with no guitar solos on it yeah yeah like Joe Satriani who is probably like the, the man most known as a shredder or was on the cover of Guitar World magazine in the 90s with the caption shred is dead like that was the headline on Guitar World magazine and no one was doing it yeah yeah it's it's kind of I think with the rise of those like the kind of Joe Satriani Steve Vai types some like it that kind of really flowery, like impressive guitaring got really popular and then died a death in the 90s with that horrible rise of metal meeting hip-hop braggadocia and getting the most kind of toxic masculine pile of rubbish where no one could actually play all that well or hid the fact that they could play very well, like, yeah. you know, the Wes Ballen types. Yeah, 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 Wes Ballen was a, was a great player. Yeah, you, you had good rhythm sections in those bands, but... But yeah, the guitar playing was... The only thing that was interesting about it was that it was in tunings that hadn't really been on mainstream records before. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, then then early 2000s with the rise of Metalcore, suddenly that came back into vogue. But because it was young kids doing it again, it wasn't as good. Like, <laughs> you, like the guitarists were... Like, kind of people getting praised as being truly brilliant were, like, the Trivium guys on their second album. It's like, well, they were good guitarists for their age. But, I yeah, mean, yeah. they are now infinitely better than they were then and they're still not, like master virtuosos you've got a few weird ones like i would argue jeff loomis is a truly brilliant player but jeff loomis is pretty ridiculous in the stuff he does and talking of which that might be a good um shift into sweet picking which is another thing we'll um we've probably referenced reasonably uh a lot um i'm not gonna get i'll let johnny describe how it's done but this is the noise you'll hear in guitar solos it sounds kind of like a sci-fi typewriter <laughs> it can do. So I'm actually most nervous about demonstrating this because I've only learned to sweep pick in the last few months. Like it's a, a technique that I was always not sure if I actually wanted to do it or not. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, sorry um, for putting you on the spot. But um, so sweep pick is a way of playing arpeggios uh, on the guitar, and arpeggios, uh, if you don't know, are the sound of a chord broken up, and you will have done them if you're ever in a school choir because you had to. Sweep. That is an arpeggio. And they're difficult things to play quickly on the guitar. So people invented sweet picking, which is a way of playing all of the notes with a single pick stroke going across the strings. So you have to have really good synchronization between your hands. Let's see what happens if I try it. So then uh, you can... That's, that's quite a big one. That was across five strings. You also get these little ones that are across three strings. And then the, the famous diminished one, which Ingve Malmsteen popularised. That sound. Um, yeah, that's that's what sweet picking is. So it's, it's kind of controversial in guitar because a lot of people think it's wank. Yeah, it's it's definitely the the kind of technique of all of them that gets most kind of maligned is only done to show off because it yeah. it takes a very long time to learn. It looks very fancy when you play it live because you can fit a lot of notes in for like quite a short space of time and you're moving across lots of strings so yeah. it, even in a badly sound like room with shit sound you're gonna still look really fancy yeah um, yeah it does you sort of there's something about the way you have to spread your hand out to, to do sweet picking that looks difficult yeah yeah um rob's come up with a great example for this because there's a really famous devon townsend guitar tutorial where he sort of loses his temper and starts going on about how they're entirely for like just D and D nerds who want to show off and then start sweeping while like chatting about how they're stupid. But we went through some examples of like famous sounding sweeping bits. And if you go for the first lead in uh, Devon Townsend's "Strapping Young Lad" and the song "Wrong Side," it's a really good example of good sweep picking. So <laughs> this yeah. is, they kind of get maligned by people who also use them every so often. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like um, so. We didn't talk about Paul Gilbert while we were talking about alternate picking. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, but Paul Gilbert is way, way more influential on metal guitar than 
you would think he would be because he was in the band Racer X in the 80s and have you ever met someone that would describe themselves as a Racer X fan because I have not no I, it, I know plenty of people who have spent hours and hours of their life trying to learn technical difficulties but yeah. never anyone who actually enjoyed technical difficulties right so this is, this is the thing that's, Paul Gilbert is one of the best pickers on the planet um, and but the reason and but nobody nobody particularly likes Racer X but he's a ridiculously good teacher and he made three VHS tapes explaining how to shred that everyone still watches. Like they're on YouTube now. And, and if you want to learn how to shred, you watch the Paul Gilbert Intense Rock 1, Intense Rock 2 and Terrifying Guitar Trip. And then you can shred. And so despite the fact that no one's ever listened to his first band, he's, his licks, everyone does them like this. Like I do this all the time. <laughs> And those are Racer X licks. I've never even listened to Racer X, but I know those because Paul Gilbert made those videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, the reason I bring him up now is because he says that it's kind of the equivalent of that thing you can do on a piano where you like swipe your fingers down the, the, the keys and it goes bling. And it's like, it sounds cool once, but you don't want to hear it over and over again. And I think he's wrong about this because I think the guitar equivalent of that is a pick slide. Oh, which yeah, is yeah. the awesomest sound you can make on a guitar. Right? <laughs> I can listen to that for the rest of my life. That's amazing. Sweet picking is, is not that. No, no. Because the, the pick slide is the perfect build-up. And it is that thing. It works once in the song. Like you, you get that kind of like change a riff pick slide. Now it sounds like the riff has arrived properly. Yeah. You'll hear it everywhere from Green Day to Mastodon. It's just like, it's completely ubiquitous. But it is that great noise. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, sweet picking, I don't know. I don't know how musical it is. It's, it's sort of... Yeah, the thing is, I've heard it used to great effect. They, they're so um, the solo I always use as an example of sweet picking, I think, actually sounds quite musical and interesting, and it's possibly because of how it's placed in the song. But the Nevermore song, This Godless Endeavor, has a very fancy sweet picking solo, but it's tight. It's used almost in a, in a rhythm sense because it repeats for a while while the vocalist still does a melody over the top of it and it interacts nicely with the song. You'll get like. Oh, I forget the name of them. The band Beneath the Massacre use it in the complete opposite sense, where it's just like really technical riffs where the guitarist just sweet picks all over the place for an entire song. That's where it falls into that category of like, are you guys just showing off? Is this still musical? But I, I do think there's examples. Actually, one I quite like, and I was trying to watch Dave Mustaine's hand while watching a live thing of this, but um, the riff in Hangar 18... Um, like, I think it's about 50 seconds into the song, the is, is a sweet pick riff. Yeah, where, yeah. Where he's sort of moving, he's doing one chord pattern going up sweet picking and one chord pattern going down sweet picking. And it makes a nice sound and it's just the most efficient way of playing that shape. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, so Marty Friedman, the former Megadeth guitarist, is an interesting one because he denies furiously um, that he is a sweet picker. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and if, like, if you go on YouTube and search for like Marty Freeman guitar lesson there's a recent guitar world um, set of lessons where he goes people say I'm a sweet picker and I'm not I don't do that shit um, and then he proceeds to demonstrate something which he does sweet pick but he does just an interesting what he means is he doesn't go right he doesn't he doesn't just go straight up and down the arpeggio he'll do something interesting with it where he'll kind of go up part of it and then back down and then up a different and then he, he combines short bursts of sweeps between different shapes to produce an interesting melodic line not just here's one chord yeah yeah and, and I think cool stuff with it yeah oh exactly and I, again like the, because this is such an interesting debate in metal please do send me examples where you think you've heard sweet picking that adds to the melody even like that kind of technique of going up and down a chord there might be some examples I've completely missed that sound amazing possibly I wouldn't even notice it's being done it's like it, like in the songs where it's being used overtly, it's very obvious, but there might be way subtler ways of doing it. I've just completely missed. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I'm not sure. But speaking of Marty Friedman, um, when we were talking about picking, and we talked about palm muting earlier, mm. what we didn't talk about is how you can palm mute your lead picking or oh, not yeah. so if you're doing alternate picking in a lead guitar solo you can mute it like I did when I demonstrated the Paul Gilbert that's part muted whereas if I don't mute that so depending on the context 
not muted. The first half of that I muted. Um, and it's just a, a personal preference thing in the player. I think it's easier to pick when it's muted. Um, but Marty Friedman really hates that sound. Yeah, And you yeah. never hear that in his solos. And he actually holds the guitar, or holds his pick in a really weird way to avoid muting the strings. Um, so his he always has this really open sound on his lead solos. Um, whereas lots of guys that pick... Um, sorry to say guys, but he is mostly dudes, regrettably. Yeah, um, we're within talking <laughs> the realm of lead guitar, unfortunately, so... Um, they... Uh, you, do you hear... I think that, that it's definitely more used when doing that kind of like, especially the more low pitch shreddy stuff is that mm. kind of, because it makes it sound less messy and more aggressive. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, the notes can kind of run into each other if you don't. And also it shows off how fast you're picking if you, yeah, if you need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, when we're in the realm of like really shredding stuff, like mm. there is a degree of showing off, but also it can sound brilliant. Some of those shredding players, like do write fantastic stuff just at really high speed. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much through the list of techniques I mentioned. I don't know if there's anything you think we've missed there. No, that was the stuff that I was thinking of talking about and the battery on my laptop is about to die. So okay, well, fair enough. Like, really well. Let's call it a day at that then. So, yeah, thanks a lot for sitting there and like demonstrating live all those techniques, Johnny. Sorry to put you on the spot so much for sweeping. <laughs> it was just interesting, but then I'm forcing you to do a technique you don't learn that, like don't learn or use that well. Well, it's really funny because like I've been practising tons of sweeping lately, but you have to, with all of this stuff, I think any time you go and see a guitarist live and they're shredding and they're nailing it, then there's that's it's pretty impressive because it's not difficult to get to the point where you can do this stuff so in the studio you can get a take but to get to the point where you can nail it every time it has to be easy it has to be something you can do without thinking about it because mm. you're too nervous you'll fuck it up like i did like i was practicing this stuff yesterday and i could do all of it like <laughs> no worries but that's not good enough like it has to be ready to go every time and so yeah if you go and see jeff loomis or or Ingvi malmstein and they're just tearing it up like it's nothing that's pretty pretty cool yeah, yeah. So, um, is there anything you want to plug? Um, no. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Remember um, my name. Yeah. Uh, if you want a guitarist, then um, then then call me. Not for sweet picking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're looking for like kind of classic rock, heavy metal lead guitarist, and you live in the UK or even sort of Europe, like I can do, I can do remote sessions. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Scaramanga is available. Um, yeah, so I guess I just do the usual plugs. Um, Please get in touch with us about this. I'd love to know, like, I'd love people to throw in more examples. We just, I just grabbed a few that came to mind. Like, I sort of had, I struggled a bit, like, thinking of solos that contained a certain technique in complete isolation of just looking at my entire music library going, where's the whammy bar used to great effect in this? But yeah, so if you've got some good examples or think there's players we've completely overlooked here, give us a shout. That'd be really interesting. Um, contact us on breakfast, um... Uh, on breakfast on Facebook at Phil's Breakfast Metal uh, on Twitter at Breakfast Metal uh, yeah it's just Breakfast Metal on Twitter or if you want to hit us up by email Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com um, we'll be back probably later in the month doing a proper episode we'll review review a load of albums again but yeah we just thought this was an interesting detour and let us know if this was interesting or useful to you if you don't play guitar because yeah that's kind of who we were hoping to aim this at but also hope guitarists enjoyed it just for discussion of techniques. I know looking stuff up for this, I realise I've been misdefining a few things. <laughs>